Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married for 21 years and have seen the fruit from raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from their faith by age 18. And it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in the following world. Welcome to the podcast. We're so glad you're here. We have a special guest today, Steve Crane, the senior pastor at Eagle Christian Church, author of five books. And we were at his church, and we love the church there. God is doing some incredible things. And we were at his church, and we heard Blessed is the Peacemakers, a sermon that Steve gave. And I just felt, both Angie and I felt, we've got to get this message on the podcast. We've got to get Steve in the podcast. So welcome to the podcast. Okay, thanks for having me. It's a great honor to be with you and your listeners. Yeah, so glad to have you here. And it's neat to see what God is doing through you in the ministry. And this message, uh, I hope everybody listens to the entire thing all the way through because of what we're talking about today. Because I really, after hearing the biblical version of Peacemaker, which I had a little bit wrong I even more identified with being a peacemaker than I did before. And it was encouraging to me. So I really appreciate that. So uh, by the way, um, just quick before we get into it, we're so thankful that you're part of the One Million Legacies movement. Uh, when you share on you know, social media or you give us five-star uh, review on iTunes, all of those things help the algorithms and help it get out there. And so we definitely appreciate that. You can get all the show notes and everything at CourageousParenting.com, including uh, links to Steve's books or anything else we talk about and free resources as well, uh, all the notes and video of this episode. So to CourageousParenting.com, hit podcast, and you'll get it all there. So I thought we would dive in, Steve, and just first talk about what is a peacemaker? Yeah, I think it may be arguably the most misunderstood of all the Beatitudes. And most people, when they think making peace, they think about making peace at all cost, or maybe even passivity. And sometimes people kind of blur the lines between peace and appeasement. And those are not at all the same thing. In fact, the biblical definition of peace really is the presence of what God would have you be in your own life. And so you've got to balance uh, a, a peace with also right living. And maybe I could go into a couple words, biblical yeah, words. Yeah, that'd be great. So in Hebrew, um, the word shalom was often used as a greeting. In fact, it's still used even today as a greeting. And so people say shalom, both coming and going. But at the very core of that word... Actually, it's a relationship word where you're desiring the highest good for the other person. And so when you say shalom, which is translated peace, you're saying, I want what's best for you. That translates into Greek in the New Testament. And the Greek word arene is actually also a relationship word. But in Greek, it's actually, I want everything to be on the level. Mm. I want everything to be on right. And so what, uh, on the right, on the, on the level. And so it means I want our relationship to be... On, on the level, I want our relationship to be good and pure and true. And so if it's not right, if it's not true, it's actually not peace. Mm. And so desiring to have God's best interest, desiring to have what God desires be present in your life is what true peace is. It seems like it's in the moment of decision. It's these moments where you know, we're faced with potential conflict or, or you know something's wrong is happening and you see it and you just want 
peace, right? And so then we don't do anything and we kind of embrace almost subconsciously this passivity that seems to be in all of us. And it seems what I've experienced in my own life and what I read in the Bible is you have to, you have to purpose to stand for truth. You have to purpose to reject passivity because we naturally seem to grab onto mm -hmm. it. Yeah, we have this idea, a mistaken idea really, that peace means I just want things to be calm and tranquil. And we kind of define peace in a in an errant way, really. But mm -hmm. peace is not, biblical peace is not the absence of war. It's not the absence of conflict. It's actually taking a stand for what's right, but having relationships built on that. And so true mm -hmm. peace does take a stand for truth. True peace does take a stand for righteousness. And what it does is it, I want our relationship to be on the level. I want it to be right and pure and true. That's and, so cool. Yeah. And so if we, if we define peace as appeasement, a lot of things would happen in life that just shouldn't happen. And maybe we could talk about some examples. That, yeah. For example, as a parent, if what you're after is peace and what you, what you mean by that is tranquility, that means you won't correct wrong or you'll let things happen that shouldn't happen. And in the sake of peace and quiet, um, we allow things to go on that shouldn't be going on. And that's not true peace. True peace actually is based on what God wants for you, God's desire for you. We're gonna put things on the level and make sure that things are happening as they should be happening. And so the only true peace is right peace. It's righteous peace. So many times I've seen uh, Angie uh, just in the moment, stop what she's doing, stop her agenda, and go address a situation because she sees something wrong, a wrong uh, uh, character, a character flaw in one of our children or that they did something wrong to one of the other siblings or something like that. And she stops what she's doing and she goes and she deals with it and she corrects it. And it definitely doesn't in the moment create more peace, peace. if you will, yeah. right? But what she's doing is she's actually creating that right relationship with the siblings, with her, and most importantly, with God, with because God. they're sinning. Correct. And so it's setting the situation straight and putting it on the level. And so building character in our children. So often I, I think what we try to do with our kids is we try to be their friends. And it's a, it's a problem today because our job as parents is not to be their friends. Yeah. Our job is to be the parent and to move them towards maturity. And so, so often something will go on and because it causes conflict rather than dealing with it, we look the other way. But yeah. not dealing with conflict actually breeds more conflict and that's the opposite of peace. So peace is setting the record straight and putting things in the right direction and making sure our relationships are on the level together. And passivity is a huge problem. I mean, I think if, as we look at things, it's the it's Christians not taking action not standing for truth, whether it's in their work, whether it's in their family, politics, all aspects of society, in large part is a reason for a greater moral decay and challenges happening. But a lot of times people uh, go, well, God is sovereign. God already knows what he's going to do. And sometimes I feel like people use that as a reason not to take action in the moment. Yeah, especially with moral issues, we're willing in the name of peace to look the other way because we don't want to cause any hardship or any conflict. And so all kinds of moral issues in our culture today, Christians are just kind of turning a blind eye or turning the other cheek to when true peace would actually take a stand and say there is such a thing as right and wrong. There is such a thing as absolute truth. There is a right way to go about things. And if we're going to ever experience what God wants from us and what God desires of us, Christians do need to be willing to take 
a stand on issues. Now, it doesn't mean we're looking for trouble yeah. or we're trying to cause conflict. Actually, we're trying to do the opposite. Yeah. We're trying to bring resolution to something by taking a stand for what's right and true. Love resolution. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. So how do we do this? How do we stand for truth? Because the Bible also says we're supposed to be loving. Well, actually, that is the loving thing to do, right? But how do we do this? Yeah, you probably talked about tough love. Yeah. And a lot of times love actually, um, we love people enough not to leave them where they are. Mm. We love them enough to move them towards what they should be. And that's what God did for us yeah. in terms of his, his son. Of course, there's all kinds of grace and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful for that. But Jesus saves us not to leave us in our sin and leave us where we are. But Jesus saves us mm -hmm. to move us to what he created us to be in the first, first place. And that is actually true love. And we bring about peace by setting things straight. By moving in that direction. Well, Jesus is the ultimate example for us, right? He says, follow me. And what did he do? Absolutely. And so, and we call Jesus the Prince of Peace. We know we serve a God of peace. We talk about the peace which passeth understanding. And so, but that peace is not uh, allowing decay or allowing immorality. Jesus obviously took a stand for truth and for righteousness, and he corrected people. Now, oftentimes, I, I, the one that comes to mind is uh, the woman at the well. Mm. She, she's in sin, but she, he's willing to correct the sin. Or there's even one lady that uh, she was caught, caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8. And remember, it's the only time mm -hmm. that Jesus stops and writes in the ground, and all the people that had brought her before him, they start walking away one by one. And Jesus says to her, um, where are those who condemn you? And she says, well, they've gone. And Jesus says, well... Neither do I condemn you, but if we stop short, we miss the, the point of the story. He says, mm. go and sin no more. Yeah. And so he confronts her with her problem. He offers grace and truth and then challenges her not to live that lifestyle. Anymore. You, know, you know, I'm glad you brought that scripture up. That scripture is really special to me because when I became a believer when I was 23 and I was wrestling with what's true and reading the Bible and I read uh, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis and Lee Strobel's book, A Case for Christ. And I wasn't a believer. And I was going to church on Sundays uh, while I was at school at University of Washington uh, as a non-believer. And I either, either the Bible is true or it's not. And I was trying to find out if it was true. And I remember I was really into leadership at the time and voraciously reading all kinds of leadership books and growing as a leader in the business world. And I remember reading that scripture and just realizing that Jesus is God from that scripture and others. But that one really stuck out to me because he was in, a, in an impossible leadership situation, actually. Mm -hmm. No matter what he said, he was going to get into trouble in that situation. Yet he said the only thing that could be said that I don't believe a human would have thought of. Uh, that, Agreed. And they just walked away. And I'm like, that's God. Absolutely. That was a pivotal scripture. I love that scripture. So Jesus is the ultimate example in this. But how does this, um, you know, affect relationships? Because right now we're in a world where relationships are getting torn apart. Um, the, we have the election. Uh, we have people taking sides on masks. We have all kinds of things. We have a lack of morality in our culture around the world. Um, what, is this, what does this have to do with relationships? Yeah, of course already talked about the fact that I think it's the most misunderstood beatitude. And yeah. when we have this attitude of do nothing or peace at all costs or appeasement, we've missed the whole point. And so it'd be really easy as our world, I think our world's crumbling around us. And 
it'd be really easy just to look the other way and in the name of peace not do anything. Or for the sake of a relationship, we let something go that really needs to be corrected. And again, the example of Jesus is love and grace and truth, obviously, but also correcting the situation. And so in our relationships, we need to care enough to make corrections or to speak the truth. And to, and that, that can actually, a true peacemaker sometimes can cause trouble. Mm. And we, do, we think, well, how's that possible? But Jesus even says, he says in uh, John chapter 16, he actually says, my peace I give to you, not like the world gives. In this world, you will see trouble, right? And so actually when we think that, the, that peace means the absence of conflict, it doesn't. We've got to love enough and care enough to point people in the right direction so they can experience true peace. And we've defined that already as the presence of what God desires in your life. You know, it's interesting. I've never experienced as much conflict as we have in the last two years since we started Courageous Parenting Ministry. And since we've been doing this, as our hearts is to serve and to share the truth and to help and equip, and obviously the podcast is doing great, God's taking it. But on the flip side, we've also experienced the most conflict. And so it's really interesting. And sometimes, and you can think of your own situations listening here, you sometimes can question yourself. Am I doing the right thing when there's conflict? And so I think this is super encouraging to hear. Yeah. As a, as a preacher, when you speak truth, it seems like inevitably it brings with it conflict. But we don't give up speaking truth because actually true love, and if we want to talk um, you know, about tough love, tough love is caring enough to be able to correct situations. And sometimes that does bring conflict. Of course, Jesus himself, the Prince of Peace, was surrounded by conflict. People didn't agree with him. And of course, ultimately Jesus goes to the cross mm. um, because of speaking the truth, the type of things. And so we've got to be willing to take a stand. And our culture around us, again, I think far too often in the name of peace, we just let things happen and feel like we have, have no right to take a stand or we shouldn't take a stand when the very thing we should do, again, not looking for conflict, mm -hmm. but certainly we've got to address truth. and We've got to take a stand for moral issues and for right and wrong. So true. So true. And so often uh, we can get discouraged. And I just want to encourage everybody to stand for truth. And you know what? That is when our faith is in action. When we can't handle a situation ourselves, of course not. You need to not be operating in the flesh. I need to not be operating in the flesh. We need to be operating in the spirit. We uh, Problems are going to come. Challenges are going to come at a level that in ourselves, we probably can't solve them. But that's where our faith shows, and your kids need to see that faith. And so if we only decide to do things, if we only decide to uh, take action on things we know will work out, then our kids aren't seeing us live a life that is faith-driven. Mm. Not just belief, but belief in action to take the actions in faith that God will show up and God will protect me. It may not be comfortable, but he will take care of us. Amen. And I think that more of us need to realize that. And when there's challenges and you respond correctly to them and your kids are watching, you're creating an example for them to replicate when things are even harder yeah. down the road, right? Absolutely. So I think this is so important from a parenting perspective. It's, as parents, you are leaders. You have a team called your family. And how are you leading in these uncertain times? These are new times. The world has changed in 2020. Now we're in 2021. And I guarantee you the world's going to change within the next 60 days again uh, in some form or fashion. Things are changing at a rapid pace, but we can have complete peace and confidence uh, in the ultimate peacemaker 
to give us the courage and and to, to do the right actions, even that are right, even when it causes more problems for us. Absolutely. You talk about change and things going to change in the next 60 days. It's amazing that things today, if we had asked questions of the culture around us five years ago, they probably would have said that's wrong. And now it's being called right. Uh-huh. And it seems like almost every day, another moral issue has been eroded away. And again, things that absolutely are wrong are being accepted and tolerated more than that being praised. And the problem is that Christians have been passive about yeah. that. They've not taken a stand um, for uh, proper roles in relationships, for proper parenting, for um, even issues regarding sexuality and marriage and those type of things. And in the name of peace, we've allowed those things to be whittled away one by one. And mm-hmm. so again, this misunderstanding of what a peacemaker is, um, one passage we've talked about and I love actually is from Psalm 65, mm-hmm. and it uses the language that um, love and faithfulness meet and righteousness and peace kiss. So and cool. it, it's an interesting phrase when you think about it. They say love and faithfulness and righteousness and peace kiss. And what does it mean that they kiss? Uh, my takeaway from that is actually it's not peace if it's not based on righteousness and it's not love if it's not based on faithfulness. And so the two come together. And so if we think we're creating peace and things aren't right, it's not, it's not true peace. And no, if, we're, if we think we're loving and not yeah. being faithful, Amen. We, we, we've missed the point. And so, some, so we're missing part of the equation half the time. Righteousness plus peace. peace. Right? And yeah, a lot of times together. we're just peace. And what we think peace means versus what the biblical truth about peace means. And we're yes. getting it wrong and it's causing an increasing... Uh, destruction around us. And you know what? We have a responsibility. God is uses his people to take action and stand for truth and take care of each other and all these things. And so, you know, maybe that's a challenge. Maybe you should uh, have a date night and think about, you know, audit your life and audit your relationships and audit how you take action, uh, audit your involvement in different things or lack of involvement and go, you know, where do we maybe need to stand for truth and how are we going to do that? And then pray about it. Like we should never just decide on our own. I mean, you could, but let's get God involved. Let's pray about it and have him reveal to us a conviction in what we're to do and exercise that muscle of rejecting passivity and standing for truth. And I think if more people do that, we're going to see the most important thing happen, which is more people come to know the Lord, which is really cool. Yeah, so stopping and finding what is not right in our life or what are we allowing to happen that is not good reminds me of Philippians 4.8. Oh. And whatever is true and beautiful and pure, and it goes through the list of all these things. I and that. after that <clears throat> passage, so after lovely. talking about... I love the word lovely. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> but all these things that we're supposed to dwell on, and it says, yeah. and the God of peace yes. will be with you. And so it's based on what is true and what is right and what is pure and what's holy and what's lovely. And then the God of peace will be with us. So taking a stand for what's right. Oh, it's it's so important. I want to take a moment and give you something for free, if you haven't got it already, is the Date Night One Sheet. It is a beautiful document you can download that will have some key questions on it for your date night to just get in alignment about what's most important for your family. No matter what time of year, it's always important to recalibrate. You can get that by going to CourageousParenting.com and subscribing to our mailing list. 
also, you can get all of our show notes and everything at CourageousParenting.com. And I also just want to share real quick about the Parenting Mentor Program. So many families are being transformed by going through this. Uh, it's the six-week self-paced program uh, with live engagement from us and even direct interaction. So if you want to join us, uh, here's a little bit more about it. You can find out more at CourageousParenting.com. Steve and I realized that we were getting too comfortable with the world's vision of how to raise our children. What Angie and Isaac have done in creating this is literally phenomenal. This program provided awesome scripture-based teachings and just some really great practical applications. This class has just really rocked my world. It has given me a vision for not just the different things that we might focus on as parents who are trying to raise our kids biblically, like how our kids are behaving or what we're doing with discipline, but also the things of the heart. We now have a game plan to how we want to raise our children. We have so many answers to the questions that have been in our mind. It's not just these hypothetical situations, or it's not just this, here's what I think you should do. It's, let me show you where in scripture this is. Do your legacy a favor and yourself a favor and just do it. One of the best things that we've done this year, one of the best investments we've made this year, and I could not recommend it more. We're no longer fearing dark days ahead, but we're so excited to raise lights to be leaders for the next generation. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the culture today. I'm sure a lot of people have questions. We have people that listen all over the world. So Australia, big lockdown place. Um, Europe, obviously big lockdown. Um, Canada, like of all places. Seems like one of the worst places in terms of churches being, I believe, persecuted, persecuted. Yeah. tyranny against the churches. I literally feels like when I get these messages that they're just like China. And, and, and literally there's a $10 million fine recently that uh, was threatened on a church and they finally closed down. So and you can't, they can't even do home church or meet in their homes unless they do it illegally. And so I, I know we're in Idaho, you know, land of the free, kind of. Uh, it is out of all the, the states in the U.S., I think the best in that regard. And the United States is, is better than some other countries in terms of freedom right now. Um, but, you know, we're seeing that erode around us, too. And I know you're getting persecution and I know that you're getting all kinds of emails in your inbox. Um, I, my experience is that you're open and that you're for masks. That's fine. But let's let people decide if they want to wear a mask or not. Let's follow the rules and, you know, be responsible around each other. But let's not forsake the gathering. And I really appreciate that and respect that. But maybe you could speak to other pastors listening or your stance on this and, and why you came to what you're doing. Yeah. First of all, we talked about rap, rapid change. And a year ago, a year, year and a half ago, we would have never imagined um, some of the freedoms that have eroded in the United States uh, because of COVID, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of I've actually preached regularly in China and Sometimes I feel like I have more freedom in China than I have more, more recently in the Whoa. United States. And when we talk about states that are around us, we are in Idaho, but talk about uh, Washington or Oregon oh, or California. Wow. Yeah. And if you go across the United States, a lot of places, they are not even able to meet. And at Eagle Christian Church, actually, when the pandemic first was, was talked about and they asked us to shut down for a few weeks, we actually thought it was the right thing. Yeah. And so we actually did shut down, I say shut down, we never closed our doors, but we encouraged people to go and to watch online. And uh, we thought we were doing the right thing yeah. in terms of trying to, to stop the rapid spread of the coronavirus. And then uh, in Idaho, fortunately, we were allowed to reopen and uh, we set some guidelines in place to take things serious, mm -hmm. seriously, yeah. right? And so, but for us, we decided that uh, no more, that uh, 
the, the church has been hindered. I, I think as many as a third of Christians will never be back in church because wow. they've just not uh, continued in this habit of, of faithfulness. I think as many as a third of churches in the United States will not reopen because they've wow. closed their doors. And, uh, you know, we always hear about safety and isn't it loving your brother. And I want to stop and say, actually, uh, I'm concerned. Yes, of course, I'm concerned about the people who've died of coronavirus, oh, but yeah. I'm also concerned about the people who've died of coronavirus without knowing Jesus Christ. And that that's a, a strong... Well, you can't uh, make the solution worse than the problem. Correct. And so I, I do understand. We encourage people that are at risk to, to stay home yeah. and watch, but we're not meant to do Christianity online. Right. Um, we need the gathering together. And uh, I, I understand that the uh, desire of some to wear masks, but our opinion is we're going to let people be adults and weigh the risks. In fact, life is about weighing the risks. Yeah. And there's lots of things that we do in life, including my preaching the gospel in China that uh, comes with risk in ter mm -hmm. terms of I've smuggled Bibles to foreign countries where it was illegal. It comes with risk. Yeah. But in the name of the gospel, uh, we've got to continue taking it forward oh, and, yeah. and weigh the risks. And so for us, um, yes, we're going to try to take precautions, but we're not going to close our doors again. And we're going to let people be adults and say, um, make your, your choice about what's gonna, uh, what you're going to do and what you're not going to do, but we are not going to stop the gospel message of Jesus Christ going forward. I appreciate that, and uh, I think that's a powerful message for people to hear. And um, I would encourage you to talk to your pastors about this and um, just go, you know, know their stance, know what they're going to do. I know for me and, and our family, if a church required everybody to wear a mask, um, we wouldn't be going. Uh, if a church was closed, uh, I wouldn't be going back to that church. And the reason is, is because we've far gone beyond the reasonableness of seeing what's going on, far beyond the timeline that they originally promised. And COVID is real, absolutely. Um, but when you look at the statistics, it's, you can't, suicide, more people are dying of suicide in certain places than of COVID because of their loneliness and despair and lack of, you know, brothers to run the race with. So it is so important, just what's happening to the youth. Uh, we did another podcast episode on kind of this challenge that what we see the ramifications are going to happen to young people if parents don't, you know, disobey in some cases, uh, the law of the land. There, you can listen to our other ones about civil disobedience. There is a time to disobey legal authorities. And that's what I'm hearing from you. At this point, you're like, we're staying open no matter what. We are. And it's interesting because uh, we've grown during this time. Now, uh, we've grown from some uh, some people have come because their churches are closed. Yeah. Or we've grown because some, some people are coming because their churches were so restrictive they didn't feel like they could go and worship, like they weren't allowed to sing or, or, or those type of things. And But the interesting part is we've also grown from people who are just looking for some sense of normality and every other area of their life just does not seem normal. Mm -hmm. And so they've come to Eagle Christian Church and say, this feels normal. We feel like we're living again and we're whole. And so it's given us a great opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus. You know, I get this question once in a while from the people that believe differently than yeah. me online, which is, aren't you concerned about a super spreader event? Yeah. We, first of all, we've not had any case of people that have actually contracted coronavirus. It's not been traced back to us. And, and we've taken precautions that we yeah. seem, uh, seem fit. But at the same time, I, I just never had um, I've, I've preached in leper colonies, right? <laughs> and am I, because of safety, I shouldn't go into a leper colony. Or again, I've preached in, in places where it's illegal to preach the gospel. And at what mm. point do you stop and say, the gospel actually has priority over even my own safety or, or those type of things. And so um, we, we've not become a super spreader. And uh, 
In fact, I, my own belief is, is probably a little bit the opposite, that uh, the true vaccine is the virus and it's got to run its course. Yeah. And, uh, but again, uh, pre- precautions and those people that are, uh, are at risk, we're encouraging them to stay at home. Those people that uh, um, really feel like they need to take certain precautions beyond what we're demanding, they're certainly welcome. Yeah. At the same time, we want to, to uh, open up churches and let the gospel go forward. Well, it definitely seems like there's some mixed agendas going on and uh, it's a fascinating time. Let's talk about that. Sometimes people can be really discouraged, let's say, with the election in the United States or uh, discouraged with what's happening in the world and, and these kinds of things. You know, how does being a peacemaker uh, help you regardless of what's going on? Like, how does how does it, I mean, because we're not we're called to be joyful regardless of circumstances. Think of, you know, Paul and all he went through. And, but how does that get lived out? Like, what is, what are you telling people when you're counseling and encouraging them if they're just having a hard time getting over the sadness or despair or the challenge that they're feeling? I I love politics and we've talked about this before. And so if I was not in the ministry, I might've even considered a life in politics. And when we look just at politics, uh, things from my vantage point, I'm discouraged about what's happened. Yeah. But I want to say my hope is, my hope actually is not in politics my hope is in Jesus Christ. Amen. And there are plenty of Republicans and Democrats. What we need to do is we need to point them towards Jesus, the, the Prince of Peace. And so um, there's still hope. My hope is in Jesus Christ. And and maybe it's during times like this when we feel like things are going in the wrong direction that people may even be more open to the gospel message Amen. of Jesus. And then I also look back at my, my Bible. In the Old Testament, God used a, the king of Babylon to accomplish his purposes. Right. And, uh, and so I think God can even use somebody that I disagree with or have different views from, and God can maybe even, God can, not maybe, God can even use that situation and the church can still go forward. Uh, so. Totally true. Yeah. No, that's, that's great encouragement. Well, let's talk about uh, uh, standing for truth. What are some practical applications to this um, that people can leave with in terms of standing for truth? Yeah. And so again, we're not, when we take a stand for truth and we must take a stand for truth. And again, I hope you hear through this podcast clearly that peace is not being a mamby-pamby or it's not being a floor mat or a wet noodle, that peace and righteousness kiss. Mm -hmm. And so there's only true peace when a person knows the Prince of Peace. There's only true peace if righteousness is prevailing. So peace is the presence of what God desires in our life. And so as Christians, in the name of peace, we've got to take a stand for truth. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a right way to do that and a wrong way to do that. Mm-hmm. We should not be going out trying to cause uh, havoc or trying to, to find animosity. Mm-hmm. But we also need to go and we need to realize that unless there is justice, unless there's integrity, unless there's honesty, unless there's truth, we don't have peace. Mm-hmm. And unless there's a thing as morality, unless there's a thing as uh, right and wrong and absolute truth, we won't have a basis for agreement of any kind. And so peace is not achieved by looking the other way or turning your back. Peace is not achieved by not taking a stand. Actually, the only way we can find true peace is finding the prince of peace and making sure our relationships are on a right level. In fact, yeah. Oh, sometimes it feels like in the moment, it feels like I'm going to risk a relationship if I do this. I'm going to risk people, like if I post something online or if I, t- if I stand up for something in a loving way with a friend in person or something like that, I, you can actually feel like I'm risking that relationship. I don't want to risk that. So what do you have to say? How do you overcome yeah. that feeling to do what's right? I've got two comments for that, I guess. <clears throat> My first one is, is simply this, that I have people that I disagree with 
vehemently that mm -hmm. we're on the opposite side, maybe politically or maybe religiously. And I like telling them our, our, our friendship matters. And so we can disagree about things mm -hmm. and still be friends. In fact, I love you enough to share my opinions with you. And I love you enough to try to say, here's where I take a, a stand on that. And so um, to just set the record straight that, hey, we may have differences of opinion, but this does not ruin our relationship, um, that uh, we can still be friends even though we have disagreements. But I, I do want to come back to that other point. That mm -hmm. other point is, is simply this, that if we truly care and if we want real relationships, we care enough to set the record straight. We care enough to correct mm -hmm. a misunderstanding. That's Nowhere is, is that more important than with our kids, that we want to correct misunderstandings. We want to set them in the right direction and uh, and bring them to maturity. And yeah. so loving people enough, and I, I, we said earlier in the podcast that fortunately God loved us enough to send his son Jesus to die for us, to forgive us, but he didn't leave it there. Mm -hmm. he, he forgives us, and at the same time, he wants us to become what we were intended to be, what we were created to be. And so he loves us enough not to leave us where we are. And we've got to have that same type of love for our, for our friends and relationships, for our kids, for our family. And so we can set some guidelines and we yeah. can say we can, we can disagree about things, but we want relationships based on what is right and what's true and what's pure. I'll tell you, it's been liberating for me in the last two years to be more vocal about biblical truth, to share it in love, to you know stand for what the Bible says. And it's been liberating because regardless of what's happening around me, I am going to stand for truth. I am going to share what I believe is right. I am going to try and correct things in love. And even though I've experienced more conflict because of that, obviously in online ministry, uh, but also in everyday life, um, I feel a sense of peace, actually. I feel a sense of freedom because at least I didn't just allow them not to know the truth. At least I did my part. I gave it a, an effort, even if it didn't work out. And that feels liberating to me. I feel it at peace, actually, more than ever, even though there's more conflict in my in life. In the midst of conflict, a feeling of peace. Yeah. That's what you're, what you're saying there. Yeah. And actually, I'd suggest that true peace only comes when you have a relationship with the Prince of Peace. Amen. And the truth of the matter is that um, things can be falling apart around us and we can still have a, a sense of calm and assurance and true peace, no matter what's happening around us, if we have a right, right relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. And truth matters, that's what the gospel is about. The gospel and the peace that Jesus Christ offers, first of all, it's a right relationship between us and God, and that's only available through Jesus Christ. And so having peace with God through Jesus Christ, but it extends beyond this vertical. There's also a horizontal. It's having peace uh, in our relationships. But again, I, I say true peace is only available through Jesus Christ. When we start sharing the gospel message of Jesus and say, in order for you to experience this true peace, you need to know Jesus. And so peace is both a vertical and a horizontal uh, relationship with God and a relationship with our fellow man. So there's the real purpose of being a peacemaker. There's the real purpose behind peace is Correct. that you help people understand and know God and have a relationship with God. And so maybe if we're lacking a sense of peace, maybe we're not being obedient in all that God has called mm -hmm. us to. Maybe there's more for you to do. Uh, absolutely. And no matter what happens around us, no matter what happens with a new administration, no matter what happens with new regulations, no matter what happens around us with the coronavirus, um, we can still have a sense of peace, mm -hmm. uh, assurance that uh, God's still in charge. He's still on his throne, that Jesus is still Lord of all. 
but also the ability um, to take peace forward to a lost and dying world and say our hope is not in governmental systems or our hope is not in programs. Our hope is not, uh, you know, and we could say all kinds of things that the world puts its hope in. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and that we share that with people. And potentially I've been, you know, 2020 kind of feels like uh, a waking up of believers. And mm-hmm. I've been praying, Angie and I've been praying that 2021 mm-hmm. is when the believers are fully woken and standing for truth and sharing love and sharing the gospel and living in greater peace, actually, because they understand the true definition of being a peacemaker, which is helping people have that right relationship with God. And don't you want for that for your kids too? So let's lead by example. Let's let our kids see our faith in action, see our love for people by being willing to not just let them continue on a path of destruction, mm, right? Yes. And so that, that's a waking up for them too. And so I was just blown away, really digging in and listening to Steve talk about uh, blessed be the peacemakers. Um, what are some key scriptures for them to, to go back to? One of my favorite is Romans chapter 12, verse 18. And let me just quote it, and I'm going to come back and kind of dissect it a little bit. But if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. Uh, three basic phrases in that one. First of all, if possible. Now, sometimes it's not possible. For mm-hmm. whatever reason, it, it's just not possible to go back and make reconciliation. So if possible, Uh, as far as it depends on you. And sometimes, honestly, it does not depend on you. You can go and try to make reconciliation or you can uh, go and try to ask for forgiveness or grant forgiveness. And sometimes, no matter how much you talk or how much you plead, the other person's not willing. And Mm so, if possible, it's not always possible. As far as it depends on you, it doesn't always depend on you. But then the phrase, live at peace with all, live peaceably with all. And so, It's our responsibility, whether we're the ones that have caused the tension or we're the ones that have experienced the tension, whether we're the ones that have caused the wrong or the one that has been wronged, it's still our responsibility to go and try to set the record straight. So awesome. Thank you so much. I want to make sure people can get access to resources or things about the church or or what you have going on. So why don't you first just tell us the, the names of the books that you have, and we'll list them in our blog post. You can also get them on Amazon, but why don't you start there? Yeah, and so several books that uh, my favorite probably is one that's simply called Email Messages. And uh, what that is, it's just through the years people have uh, have emailed me and asked questions. And for so long, I just repl- replied to those and didn't really save them. And then I realized the questions that people ask, they ask the same questions over and over again. And so I just started compiling those. And so here are messages in email form. They're short, succinct answers to to questions people normally ask. And so it was a really fun one to, to, to write. I, I've got a commentary uh, called Marveling with Mark, which is uh, um, just what it sounds like. It's a, it's a commentary on the, the gospel of Mark, and it goes through it kind of verse by verse. And then I've also got some books um, on uh, comparative religion and things mm. like that, that mm. uh, comparisons between evangelical Christianity and what other uh, religions teach. I, I, that's that's fantastic. And so then the, the website, if they want to listen to a sermon or or visit your church or... Yeah, uh, eaglechristianchurch.com. And on there, you can go back and, and we keep records, including I'd challenge you to listen to this message on Peacemaker. And you can go through the, the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus teaching because they're very needed um, today. And so you can go to our website and see those. Now, just a warning. He even said it earlier. That is not a replacement for you to go into a church where you live. And as I've been saying, if all churches are closed around you, then you become the answer. You need to open your home to other couples and open the Bible and God. We have to trust the Spirit of God. You do not need 
uh, a degree to teach the Bible. Now, can it help? Sure. But in situations, God would rather people still meeting and getting together in your home if there's no churches open around you. And so I encourage you to do that. And just, you know, God's going to use you in unbelievable ways. He's going to teach his scriptures. Scriptures are going to come to life. Why? Because your obedience beyond your flesh. You're doing things that you know and feel you can't do. But with the Spirit, we can. Absolutely. So, but listen in, uh, in addition to going to your church. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, we certainly appreciate you guys and your support of the ministry. Thanks for being here, Steve. Absolutely. My honor. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. For more resources, go to Courageous Parenting and CourageousMom.com for free online workshops, blog posts, and best-selling courses. Also, we wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, we release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. This is an incredible self-paced program where we cover everything from obedience training to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's a supportive community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentor program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.